Tim Long. Hallelujah. I'm glad. I felt loved by you saying that, Pastor Sandy. And, oh, you got you to gotta love your evangelist. There's many ways to love your evangelist. Uh, let me just name a couple. You know, evangelists like to eat. Um, food, steak, bakery goods. So remember to, to love your evangelist, amen. Because I'm I'm around. I mean, I'm I'm blowing and going somewhere. You just have a short window of time when I'm around just to, to lay it on me, okay? So, amen? You know, what I said is completely scriptural. You know, when you go into a, a, a city, eat whatever's set before you. You know, I, I use that as a reason, as an evangelist, you know, to just chow out. That's what scripture says. Eat whatever's set before me. If you put, if as an evangelist you put me before a buffet, what am I gonna, what am I gonna do? I'm gonna eat whatever's set before me, because that's what Jesus said to do. Amen. <laughs> Let's pray, Father. We thank you for a wonderful night, God. We are believing for a mighty move of your Spirit, God. We just pray that the impartation that you have for the church tonight, that you would just release. All that you have for them, God, in the impartation of a fivefold evangelist on their life, God, and, and the calling that you have on them, God, in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, we invite you to come right now. Please say that with me. Holy Spirit, we invite you to come right now. We pray for the fullness of impartation of the evangelist. On our lives. God, activate the gifting, the anointing, the grace of an evangelist in our lives. Give to us a spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of our call open the eyes of our understanding so that we can see all that you've called us to be tonight we welcome you Holy Spirit just lift up both hands Say, Jesus, baptize me afresh with the fire of God tonight. Release an anointing on me to break every chain, to break every yoke of bondage off people's lives so that I can walk like Jesus. Healing the sick, cleansing the lepers, raising the dead, casting out devils. 
all for your glory, Jesus. Jesus, just change my mind right now. Renew my mind so that I'll think from the perspective of your kingdom from this day forward in the name of Jesus and help Reverend Anthony preach what you have for him to preach tonight in Jesus name Amen. Hallelujah. One time I was listening to Heidi Baker minister, and she got up and she, she started off her message by saying, okay, now everybody, you stretch out your hands and start praying for me, that God would show me what message to preach. And she said she had two that she was thinking about preaching. <laughs> But she was saying, now everybody prayed that God shows me which one of these two messages I was supposed to preach. And uh, so she started off by having everybody in the auditorium pray for her. And um, I thought it was kind of cool how real she was about that. But tonight we're going to talk about the, the five-fold evangelist, what that looks like. A little bit of the journey God's led me down. And I think... Whether or not you're called to be a five-fold evangelist, um, I think that there's something that you can take away from this message on your personal call. Because I believe that the five-fold evangelist is one example, but there are patterns um, that are the same for every ministry gift. The, the gift of the gift to minister comes from God. If you if you look in First Corinthians chapter twelve, it says everyone has the gift of the Spirit as the Holy Spirit wills. So it is the Spirit that actually distributes the gifts. And um, I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter four verse seven. This is actually not going to be an easy message for me to preach because I'm, I'm trying to trying to communicate some things that are a little bit com complex that in my mind they make sense, but we'll see if they make sense to you by the end of the message. In Ephesians chapter 4 verse 7, it says, But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Everybody say, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. One of the things that I think that has made a, a dent in the way Westerners view the Bible is the uh, philosophy of Egalitarian, egalitarianism. You just said, what's egalitarianism? Well, I learned that term in Bible school. And egalitarianism basically is the, the, the way of thinking that, of, um, that 
all are equal. All are equal. It's the teaching of equality. When we say teaching of equality. Is egalitarianism. And so, you know, in democracy, we like to say everyone's equal, right? Everyone's created equal, things like that. Okay. In the kingdom of God, really no one is equal. Okay. And we all have equal opportunity to get saved, but what you do with that, again, differentiates where you're at. See, not everybody's going to receive the same reward on Judgment Day. Not, no one is equal in heaven. Everyone receives different rewards based upon what Scripture says. Everyone's rewarded according to what they have done. That's what Jesus said. You're not rewarded based upon what somebody else did. You, you are rewarded based upon your personal choices, for better or for worse. So you, even in heaven, no one is equal. Um, but in, you know, in America, we like to say everyone's equal. Well, and in the kingdom of God, I think there's two kinds of kingdoms of, of God. There's a kingdom of God after you die, and there's a kingdom of God on this earth. Meaning, while you're alive, the kingdom of God is here living through us, but the rules are different after you die. Okay, when you die, you spend eternity uh, with God in your glorified state, but while you're on the earth, you're not yet glorified. Everybody say, not quite glorified. Ex except for those that are like Pastor Stephen that have just a glorious physique. But while you're on this earth, there's the kingdom of God while you're in the body. But, you know, in in on the earth, there, there is not equality amongst levels of authority in the body of Christ. Not everyone has the same level of authority in the body of Christ. You cannot walk into somebody's church and just do whatever you want. Right? You can't walk on... <laughs> you can't walk... I know this pastor that knows this other you know, ministry in the well-known body of Christ and when he does his big Hell Night production... This other ministry that's well known, they they just come in and and just work, try to work his altars for him, and they have a whole altar team, and they have a whole, uh, they have everything planned out. After they do the hell night, they go into a room and they give him an altar call to receive Jesus, and they have an altar team ready. Well, this particular other ministry has come in on multiple occasions and tried to work the altars for him, and when they've been when they told him, hey, you can't do that, the the the, the those people from that ministry say, hey, you know, these are not your people, they're God's people. And 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 really everything is supposed to be done in decent decently in order. And and really the the authority of that church is the pastor. It's not just anybody. And so not everybody's authority is equal in a church. You know, not every even in church leaderships, you have a senior pastor, you have deacons, but they're even submitted to a senior pastor. Um, you know, even even evangelists, there's submission amongst the gifts, amongst the fivefold offices, to where there's an, a hierarchy of authority. So even on the, even in on the earth today, nobody's authority is equal. Um, you 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 will never outgrow a pastor. You know that when you even you know. Uh, there's pastors that I've run into that they they tell me their pastor is this pastor. And, um, 
But there's authority structure in the body of Christ. And it says right here, But grace was given to each one according to the measure of Christ's gift. So, let's skip down. When, when he, therefore, it says, When he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. He led captivity captive, and he gave gifts to men. And, he, and he, what is the gift of God? Well, the gift of God is verse 11, Ephesians 4. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body in Christ until we all attain the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood. So the gifts that Jesus gave to the body of Christ when he ascended on high that the measure of Christ's gift is the fivefold giftings. He gave some apostles, he gave some prophets, he gave some teachers, evangelists. Why? To equip the saints for the work of ministry. And so when I say all the pat the, the patterns of the different fivefold gifts, they, they have similar patterns, is well, all five gifts are for the same purpose. To equip the who? You see, a lot of times people, people, they, you know, people have weird reasons for why they think things. You know, I remember when when I first started serving God. You know, I was really on fire for God. I'd go out to the college campus and share Jesus with people, and they'd say, and they say, Anthony, you're so on fire for God. They go, you ought to go to Bible school. And become a pastor. And what's wrong with that statement? Just because I was on fire for God, they're saying I'm supposed to be a pastor now? It's like everybody who answers the call of God is now a pastor. <laughs> wow, you you got the call of God on your life, young man. You must be a pastor. And I would listen to that, and I'd think, you know, I don't want to be a pastor. You mean, if I answer the call of God, that means I have to be a pastor? <laughs> and so, you know, of course, I went to I went to uh, Bible school and everything, but to be a pastor, to be an evangelist, is to equip the saints. Everybody say, equip the saints. For the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. Until we all attain the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood. See, all fivefold gifts, the reason why Christ gave them to the church is to get the church where it needs to be. And and, and you think about the fivefold gifts, they're departmental. You, you have your prophecy department, you have your apostolic department, you have your pastor-teacher department, got to make sure people are taught right, they don't have heresy, and then you have your evangelist department, that's the department that gets everybody's tail in gear. And the, the, the evangelist gift, the fivefold evangelist, is a galvanizing gift. 
evangelists typically stir up, shake people up, and get shake people out of their religion. But it's all for the purpose to get people to a place of maturity. Everybody say maturity. In Ephesians 1, it says that you would have the eyes of the understanding to understand your call. Everybody say my call. Have the eyes of your understanding enlightened that you may know the hope of your call. Ephesians chapter 1. Well, you're, everybody say I'm called to do something. Well, in, in just the call state, it's kind of like the Bible school kid or somebody that had a dream of them preaching before thousands of people. Okay, that's down the road. They've received the call, but what's in between them and the, and the actual fulfillment of the call is their preparation. A lot of people think that because you got a call, you're going to wake up one day on the right side of the bed and have... And God is going to send you millions and millions of dollars so that you can just preach to thousands and thousands of people just like that. Now, now, who here has ever heard of an example where that actually happened? See, what stands in between the call level, answering the call of God, and, and your commission as a as a minister of the gospel is your preparation. A lot of times people think that it's just going to happen like God is just going to do it all for you. Like, in other words, you don't got to do anything. You don't got to work hard. You don't got to... Um, how can I say? You don't got to... You don't got to sweat. God is going to do it all for your call without you sweating a drop because that's how much Jesus loves you you know I used to think that when I first got saved I was like you know I love Jesus she's gonna he's gonna bring me that ministry and he's gonna bring me that house and he's gonna bring me that wife and he's going to bring me all the money. So I can answer the call. Because I'm a Christian now. And some people think that the provision of God is automatic. Based upon the fact that he said, I sign up, Lord. Lord, I'm now on the team. Please download to me all the gifts that I need and all the money so I may fulfill your call, Lord. <laughs> but I've got news for you. Ministry is spelt W-O-R-K. And a lot of people think because now they signed up for God's team... It's going to be a lot easier than getting a career. When in actuality, it's going to be harder. Because, let me give you a statistic. The, the, the scientific journal did a study one time in, uh, in 19... I'm going somewhere tonight, guys. Just track with me. And it... 
Uh, it was 40 years ago in a paper called American Scientist, Herbert Simon and William Chase drew a conclusion that it takes 10,000 hours to master a skill. 10,000 hours of preparation to master a skill. I did another calculation uh, for that 10 hours. In other words, to, to reach that goal in eight years, it would require you to, to study four hours a day for six days a week. And you could reach 10,000 hours in eight years if you, if you prepared four hours a day for six days a week. Now think about that. Now I want you to think about this. A doctor goes to school for about 11 years, four years undergrad, four years grad, medical school, and then three to seven years for uh, residency. Now, if you think about that, that's over 10,000 hours of commitment and preparation just to become a doctor on this earth. Think about the, the amount of commitment and discipline it takes to become a doctor. It requires all kinds of preparation. Now let me ask you something. Do you think a five-fold ministry office is a higher call than the office of a doctor? Then how can you think it will require less hours of preparation? A, a lot of people... They think a five-fold ministry office is going to be easier when in reality it's going to be harder. And it's going to require just as much hours of preparation and commitment as being a doctor. See, a lot of people think that when you answer the call of God to be an evangelist, it's all just going to fall in your lap. No, 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 no. A five-fold office to be a pastor takes preparation. You know, there are many pastors, they go to Bible school. Why do people go to Bible school? To prepare. Some people are too flaky, you know. But that preparation is key for any, for the call of an evangelist. Because it's in those hours of sharing the gospel. It's in those hours of doing outreaches and traveling and, and doing missions work where God is developing you into a completely mature five-fold minister of the gospel. Now you can you can you can go out and you can go out and just be a quack doctor if you want to. You know, you can skip the preparation. Am I preaching yet? You can skip the preparation and be any kind of doctor. But to be a qualified doctor, it takes the preparation. To be a qualified five-fold minister, it takes the preparation. You know, with an evangelist, in order to be qualified, it takes hours of sharing the gospel with people. It's not just one outreach. 
It takes hours of, of traveling the world. See, a lot of people mistake the call for a hobby. Am I preaching you? A lot of people treat their call with the commitment level of a hobby. Not hours of devoted study of the Word. Not hours of worship. Not hours of prayer. Instead, people say, Oh, if I have to do all that, I can't. how am I going to fit that into my busy life and schedule? But let me ask you something. What is the focus of your life? You know, you can't talk about fivefold being a full a minister of the gospel really without talking about finances. Let me explain why. Because what are you going to eat? What are you going to live in? You know, and if you don't have a hard time asking yourself that question, just get married. The woman will ask that question for you. What are we going to eat? How come we don't have a job? Can you hear me? You see, when you're a single guy, you can live however you want. I mean, you're a free bird. You can can sleep in a box if you want to and eat ramen noodles, take a shower every other week or something. And nobody really cares because, hey, you're a single guy. But when there's somebody you have to take care of that's looking up to you for help, money is inevitably going to be involved, right? You know, an interesting thing, what Jesus said, check this out. This applies to an evangelist for Luke chapter 10, verse 2. Look at Luke chapter 10, verse 2. Luke chapter 10, verse 2. We're going somewhere with this, guys. Luke chapter 10, verse 2. And and he said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Okay? Why are the laborers few? Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers in the harvest. Go your way. Behold, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no money bag. What? Carry no money bag? What are we going to eat at? Uh, McMuhammad's with no money? No knapsack? No sandals? No sperries? No iPad? No iPhone 5C? And greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, peace to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, it will return to you. Verse 7, and remain in that same house. Now, how does this lifestyle sound as an evangelist? I'm sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no money. You ain't going to have no money. No knapsack. No sandals. Walk barefoot. And greet no one on the road. 
Look the other way. Whatever house you enter, first say peace be to this house. And and it will and and if a son of peace be there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, it will return to you. Have you ever had your peace return to you? This is the life of an evangelist right here. And remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they provide. For the laborer deserves his wages. So if you look at the if you if you look at First Corinthians uh, chapter nine, verse fourteen, Paul said, Even so the Lord Lord the Lord, not the Lord, the Lord. First Corinthians chapter nine, verse fourteen, even so hath the Lord ordained that they which live of the gospel those that preach the gospel should live of the gospel. Now, this does not sound like a good business decision. This does not sound like a good career move. Explain to your wife, no money bag, no sandals. You know how how women like shoes. And, and put all your trust in some kind of a son of peace. This requires a lot of faith, doesn't it? You see, in order to be an evangelist, there has to be a dependence on God to provide what you eat. You have to be willing to have faith for God to put food in your mouth as you're preaching. In order to answer any kind of, kind of call of God, if you don't have faith for finances, you're up a creek without a paddle. Because it is not a good business decision. What if the son of peace doesn't want to put any good food in your mouth? What if he wants to feed you curry? One time when a son of peace offered me some kind of sweet looking beef. I was so hungry after I got done preaching. I felt I was just famished. I, 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 I just need to put something in my mouth. And they put a whole thing before me. I was like, oh, I don't want to eat whatever's set before me. But what looks, what looks like it's beef. And the thing, I picked out one thing. I said, that looks like it's beef. I'm just going to eat a whole lot of that because I don't know what this stuff, other stuff is. And, and they go, oh, ho, 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 ho. Anthony, we tell you uh, what that is after you eat it. And I go, lady, it's better that I don't know. And so I ate it and forgot about it. See, this is the life of an evangelist. When I was in India, what did I do? I ate whatever was said before me. You know, a couple days later, I say, Oh, Brother Anthony, we don't tell you what you ate. And I'm like, Oh, yeah, you didn't. I'm like, I'd really like to know. What was it? <laughs> 
And she goes, You ate monkey! <laughs> you know, and that brings a whole nother level of faith to even how you pray over your food. You know, blessing your food has a totally different level of anointing overseas. When you're in Africa, that's not just something little nice little token thing where you have Tiny Tim say a little prayer. That's something you're praying down heaven because you don't know how they cooked your food. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, eat whatever's set before you. But this is part of the faith that is required to be a five-fold minister. You know, just as silly as that sounds, sometimes you, you, your bills are not going to, that's going to seem silly. And, and the Word of God says that those that preach the gospel, ministers of the gospel, have to live by the gospel. We say live by the gospel. Because a, a doctor gets paid for what he does. Why? Doesn't he? Okay. You know why a doctor gets paid for what he does? He gets paid based upon his preparation. If he, if he didn't have the preparation, that degree wouldn't be worth anything. But you see, your preparation for your call is what qualifies you to receive the finances that God has for you to do what He's called you to do. And a lot of times we... I thought what I just said was powerful. But what I said was scriptural. Because Jesus said, whoever is faithful in the little will also be faithful in the much. If you're treating your call on a hobby level, that's the kind of hob that's the kind of you get hobby level provision. But if you the Bible says to the, to the one that's given much, give even more. Give more talents. You see this is this is how you develop into your fivefold gift by being a steward. A good steward, where you see, it, doesn't it? I preached the first scripture I preached. It talked about uh, Ephesians chapter four, verse seven. According, it said, according to the gift that of Christ in you, according to the measure of the gift of Christ. The the gift of Christ is is the anointing, the ministry anointing. That God's entrusted you with. Now it's only at the, the Christ's gift in your life is at a measure now. Doesn't it? It said a measure, right? According to the measure of Christ's gift. Well, the way the Christ's gift increases the measure is by how you steward what God gave you. Now there's some people here that you're probably not a fivefold evangelist. That's okay. I, I want to, but I want you to understand this. That you can have the, the measure of Christ's gift of an evangelist in operation in your life by stewarding it. I want to give an example of, 
uh, grandma. You know, I don't know if grandma ever considered herself to be a fivefold evangelist or not. But one of the things that's so powerful about uh, Grandma Diane is that she's on every outreach. I don't, I can't remember a single time where Grandma Diane has not come on an outreach with us, and and she's she's definitely not as young as she used to be. But she that didn't stop her from coming out with all the little whippersnappers. And she And you know what I've always seen with her? She always is just bold. She'll walk up to people if they don't speak English. She'll be speaking Spanish. She'll be prophesying. She'll be praying for people to get healed. She'll be coming back telling stories about how she was telling somebody about Jesus, about this and that and this and this. And I'm like, wow, she is so on fire. And, and, and when we've done the word of knowledge thing, she's always gotten words of knowledge. But you want to know what I've seen with Grandma Diane? She's always used the Christ gift in her life. And so I've only seen it grow and grow and grow and grow. And she's not the same level of an evangelist that she used to be. So whether you're called to be a five-fold evangelist, you can have Christ's gift of an evangelist operating in your life. By stewarding it. Because remember, the five-fold gift, the evangelist isn't to, to come and do your job for you. You know, pastor's job isn't to show up in your room every morning and to walk you through your devotional life and pray for you before God like a Catholic priest. You don't come to Pastor Scott and he says all the prayers for you. Okay, good one. Good, good job, little Johnny. See you later. See, Pastor Scott's job, like all pastors' job, are to teach you how to change your own spiritual diapers. See, if you think... A five-fold evangelist's job or a five-fold minister's job is to uh, live your Christian life for you? You're wrong. Their job is to bring you to a place of maturity. Everybody say maturity. Because you need to know what pastor has to say and teach about your prayer life, okay? About fasting, about communion. Right, these are, these are all important things that a teacher is laying a foundation so the people of God are thinking right 
right? That they're praying right, that they have a devotional life, right? Why? So you will be a better Christian. <laughs> it was very basic. But you see, an evangelist is coming to you. When the man of God is coming to you, the man of God is, is coming to help you go to another level in the area of his expertise. Whether it's evangelist, pastor, apostle. Look at Matthew chapter 10, verse 41. This is so important that we understand honor with the fivefold ministries because there's an element of preparation where we're taught and we develop our gifts and we and we do things, you know, in an educational format that helps our Christian walk. But some things are not taught as they are caught. Everybody say caught rather than taught. And the way because Christ's gift is not simply uh, an academic achievement. Christ's gift is also a dimension of the anointing. There's the anointing of the evangelist. And it says in Matthew chapter 10, verse 41, whoever receives me, oh, sorry, not, not that one. Uh, yeah, the one who receives a prophet because he's a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And the one who sees a righteous person, because he's a righteous person, will receive a righteous person's reward. You see, when you receive the prophet in his office, you receive the prophet's reward. You receive the gift of a prophet. You receive the impartation of a prophet when you receive a five-fold minister in their department, Brother Ed. If you receive a pastor in the name of a pastor... You receive a pastor's reward. If you receive an evangelist in the name of an evangelist, you receive an evangelist's reward. If you look a little bit down, it says, whoever receives you, uh, and whoever, um, there's another scripture, okay, it's verse 40. Whoever receives you receives me, and whoever receives me receives him who sent me. So when somebody receives a five-fold ministry gift, who was it sent from? He ascended on high, right? He led captivity captives, right? And he gave gifts unto men. And what were those gifts? Five-fold ministry offices. So when you receive the gifting of the office, you receive the package that goes along with that gift. Think about it. Elijah and Elijah. Elijah walked in the mantle of a prophet. But Elisha did not receive the prophet's mantle from Elijah until he had walked with the prophet. See, a mantle is not something you can just receive through mental ascent or academia. A mantle in and a, a grace from God to be in an office only comes through honor. Uh, 
Uh, Reinhard Bunke, he tells a story about how he was traveling through England and he heard a, an, a, a, an old uh, English revivalist, I think his name was, I'm not sure which one it was, but he was late in years and he was close to passing. And I believe Reinhard Bunke had prayed that the gift of God that was on this English revivalist's life would come upon his life. But he had never in his travels ever been in the same town as this man to have him pray for him. Well, Reinhard Bunke, I, I heard him told this story. He was in town on a connection and heard that this English revivalist lived in that area. And he went and he knocked on the door and a, old, and a lady answered the door and said, I'm here to see such and such English revival. She said, uh, he's not doing well today. Come back another day. And he, she, and he hears from behind the woman a voice, let him in. And Reinhard Bunke goes in to see this English revivalist. And the English revivalist says, I've been waiting for you. And the English revivalist prayed for Reinhard Bunke. And the mantle that was on this English revivalist came upon Reinhard Bunke. He got hit with the power of God. Reinhard Bunke left. And it was, I believe he, Reinhard says it was the next day. I'm sorry. The next day. This English revivalist died. So that there was a mantle, a gift of Christ on this English revivalist. Much like there was a mantle on Elijah that was transferred to Elisha because Elisha was willing to follow and honor the gift. And the five and the fivefold. This is the pattern that's in all the fivefold of all the fivefold ministry gifts. Is there's a certain measure of the gift that only comes through honor and impartation. Oh my goodness! And so, a lot of people that are. Okay, here's, the, here's what people in the church struggle with. They struggle with this thing called entitlement. A lot of people think, well, the call of God is automatic. If God wants me to do it, he's going to send it to me. If he doesn't, it's his problem. And, and every man of God is just going to come and take me under their wing. Or else they're not really a man of God. And they're not for me. Because if they were, they would come to my beck and call. Because they should know my call. So as if some kind of anointed man of God should stop what he's doing and 
can take little old snot-nosed, feels like they're called of God, and come and, and, and just pamper him up into being the man of God's called him to be. No, listen, there's a lot of people that would love to receive from that man of God. See, when Oral Roberts was passing, when he was clo- close to going to be with the Lord, about the last two years of his life, all he was doing was meeting with certain men of God to pray for them for impartation before he went to be with the Lord. And you couldn't get to that, into one of those meetings, unless you were invited. You see, the gift of God is a treasure. And it is a privilege to be able to learn from a man of God. It is a privilege to have the opportunity to receive an impartation that could change your destiny. But with an entitlement mindset, people think, oh, it's just, they, should, they should just come and give me whatever, give me an anointing, give me a gift. No, don't they don't. There's a lot of people a lot more humble than you that the Holy Spirit is going to draw them to those that are humble to pray for them. And so it is an honor. Again, here it comes down to honor. You have to honor the five-fold ministry gifts because they've paid a cost that you haven't yet paid. God is using them in ways that He hasn't yet used you. He's doing through them, through things that is unique, that is divinely called and orchestrated by God. You know, Paul the Apostle, he said that he was called to be an apostle from before birth. So the gifts in the fivefold ministry offices are actually called before you ever were born on this earth. And so, when somebody becomes a fivefold ministry, it's not like they quit their day job. Or they start deciding to take a hobby really, really seriously. You see, a fivefold office is directly from heaven ordained by God. It says in the in Acts chapter 4, I believe verse 2, that the, the, the Holy Spirit spoke to the apostles in a place of prayer and said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work that I have called them to. And that was Barnabas and Saul's ordination. So when you reach a level of reliability... The Holy Spirit sovereignly commissions you into a five-fold ministry work. It didn't come down from man. It wasn't like a bunch of people from a church, you know, a denomination came in and said, Brother, you serve, you do, you've really cranked up the numbers on this church. We're going to go ahead and just put a blessed ordination on you. You're really good for our organization. Why don't you... We think you should be a pastor. You see, when the Holy Spirit is ordaining somebody into a five-fold ministry, He speaks to leaders to lay hands on them, the presbytery, to publicly acknowledge what the Holy Spirit has already done in the Spirit. Because the ordination 
means God is is speaking to leaders to publicly acknowledge, recognize, and commission you into that full-time ministry work. See, the ministry of the gospel is not a part-time job. It's not something somebody decided to do instead of getting a real job. You know, that's what I have to face for my sisters. My sisters are doctors, and they look at me like, Anthony, you know, you really could have been something with your life. We're all doctors, and we married doctors. You could have really made some real money, Anthony, and done something with your life. You see, answering the call of God is is the highest call. Because what's a greater work than the ministry of the gospel? But to be an ultimately the evangelist is to equip the saints, to bring them to a place of maturity, to operate in the gifts of the Spirit, the signs, wonders, and miracles like Stephen, like Philip. There's different examples of what the evangelist looks like in the Bible, like Paul. You see, I believe that there's different kinds of evangelists. You got your crusade evangelists. If you look at Philip, he had the, the evangelist style to, of one-on-one evangelism. He, just, he would go and talk to one person, and God would transport him and then he, so that he could clock in on time at his job. No, that's not what it said. <laughs> Philip went to talk to one person. And God transported him somewhere else because he had another person to talk to. You see, there are evangelists that are one-on-one evangelists. Then you have evangelists like Paul the Apostle who went in and changed regions and had audiences before many people. Just because it's a bigger audience doesn't make it a lesser evangelist. And then there's an evangelist like Stephen. And I think the evangelist like Stephen is such a great example for the local church. Because the apostles said, we don't have time to wait tables, but let's, or let's recognize some deacons that are first filled with the Holy Spirit. Now everybody say, all deacons should be filled with the Holy Spirit. Or not be deacons. How come in the church today, we don't have a qualification, you must be filled with the Holy Spirit? Think about that. One time I went to a church and I talked to a pastor and he was talking about one of his deacons. He said, we never heard him speak in tongues yet. And I was like, well, if he's not filled with the Holy Spirit, technically, pastor, he should not be one of your deacons. That's what I was thinking. But they were to fill with, so they chose Stephen, a man filled with the Holy Spirit, And he was waiting tables doing signs and wonders among the people. Now think about this. When's the last time you equated a powerful evangelist with a waiter? But I think this is a great example of what an evangelist should look like in a church. Because Stephen... He's not looking for a platform. He's filled with the Holy Ghost and he's serving the community.
food, which opens the door for him to pray for the sick, and God is blessing the man's service. The anointing, the power of the Holy Ghost is moving through a waiter. Somebody who's serving. Didn't Jesus come to serve? But you see, this is somebody, anybody, something anybody in any local church can do. An evangelist in the local church setting. It's like, you know, ironically, or supernaturally, what happened last night. Because Pastor Stephen and, and Ben, they started spontaneously just buying food for people and serving it to them. I'm sure they just didn't think, you know, hey, let's... We never done that before. There's no explanation other. I didn't tell him to do that, did I? Hey, buy him some popcorn. No. <laughs> Only by the Holy Spirit was somebody going to go hang out by the uh, by the uh, concession stand and start buying people food and, and feeding it to them and sharing Jesus with them. But see the pattern here: serving people food. When you serve people food, it it brings down the wall to where they think you're a real Christian. They'll let you pray for them. Bam, healings happen. How, how fruitful was it when you were sharing Jesus with people? Were they more open because you fed them? See, this is a pattern of biblical evangelism. Serving the community in order to share Jesus with them and watching God's power flow through that. Anybody can do that as an evangelist. Everybody say hallelujah. But I want to, I'm going back to this, this, this one word again, serve. So everybody say serve. This is not a happy little word people like to hear. Serve. Most people, again, we're going to, it comes back to this whole entitlement. Everybody say entitlement. Somebody that has the call of God. Come and hear me preach. I have a word for you. Don't you know I'll be preaching before millions? It hasn't happened yet, but kiss the ground I walk on. Help me find the way. Somebody with that whole been smoking their own fumes does not equate answering the call of God with serving. You want me to do what? Uh, Pastor, you want me to serve some lost people? Some Kool-Aid? I don't think so. Don't you know the call that I have? But that 
serving is the very thing that the signs and wonders flow through. That serving is what develops the preparation in you. The serving is what causes you to develop faithfulness in the small things. Everybody say, faithfulness in the small things. Everybody say, Stephen was a servant. But God used him powerfully. Look at your neighbor. Say, roll up your sleeves. Show me a little elbow grease. Don't get too high up on your own fumes. Because God's going to use you. But don't get a big head. Everybody say years of preparation. Everybody say faithful in the small things. Everybody say honor fivefold ministers. Look at your neighbor. Say, neighbor, there are men of God that have something on their life that you need on your life. A measure of Christ's gift. And if you're nice to that person, maybe they'll just pray for you and slap some of that sauce on your life. Because you need it for your marriage. Because your wife's been praying for you to get saved. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Am I preaching yet? Am I preaching yet? What I'm saying is, God has a call on your life. But it's going to take your personal development. God has got a call on your life, but it's going to take your humility to have an Elijah in your life that you can learn from. Because they know things that you don't. And you can think you know it all and be on the same place next year this time. And they don't have to slow down their busy schedule to cater to your needs. But if you honor those people, if you honor true men of God, you're going to grow in the call that God has for you. Whether it's a prophet, whether it's a pastor, whether it's an evangelist, God is going to increase Christ's gift on your life because of your faithfulness and commitment. The thing is, but you have to do this all with faith financially. There's no such thing as a part-time evangelist. You know, if you're going to believe God, you got to believe God the whole way. If you're going to live by the law, you got to live by the whole law. If you're going to live by faith, you got to live by the whole faith. You can't pick and choose when to be legalistic. Eye for an, I, well, I believe in eye for an eye and two for a tooth, but I don't believe in tithing. You can't choose whether the words you want to obey or not. I believe in the part about bountiful. 
receiving, but not the part of bountiful giving. You see, how you trust God in your finances is actually is well how you how you have faith for finances is actually a gauge or a litmus test of how much you really trust God. Because you can tell what people really believe when it touches their pocketbook. That's how you can, you know, a lot of what we say we believe as Christians is actually just mental assent, meaning we don't disagree with that. But answering the call of God is going to mean being circumcised in your heart from the world system and walking away from materialism walking away from covetousness walking away from even trusting in your own strength to provide some people are working two jobs not because they're trying to answer the call of God on another level do you hear what I'm saying people have no problem in working harder when it comes to money You know, I'll tell you a story. Every time I go through the airport, I fly through Lovefield all the time. I always see two buddies of mine there that I knew that work for uh, for Chase Bank, and they always have the credit cards up there. They've been, and they always, and I always talk to them, and they're my buddies. I love them. I, I don't disagree with their lifestyle, but they, but they always tell, but they're both preachers. Um, they can both preach the paint off the wall. These guys, and they can witness the, both of them could be evangelists all day long. If they wanted to, they have that gift in their life. They do. I mean, they, 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 they could be, they could stop what they're doing and be evangelists right now because they have that gift in their life. And it's that strong. But they always tell me how much they're working this job and they're working, they're building their business till they get to a place of financial prosperity to where they can now do what they really want to do is and preach the gospel full time. And I understand what they're saying. There's two things that, that are important for being an evangelist. One thing is is your faith and your ability to trust God. And the other thing is your preparation. Some people go overboard in their preparation. Some people go overboard and just it's faith only, meaning they don't know how to be a good administrator. They're just kind of believing everything to fall in their lap. It's just faith only, but they're not prepared. They haven't done anything to develop themselves and mature. But then there's those people that are just trying to do it all practical in their own strength. And they don't realize that you cannot just go and work a full-time job and also preach the gospel full-time. You, you can only be one person. And so there's an element of both. It's a guide rail of preparation, maturity, and faith and trust in God. But if you go overboard on either one, you kind of get lopsided. And I feel sorry for my buddies because I'm like, these guys are evasive. I hear what they're saying. But there comes a point where, yeah, you do have something on the side to back you up in case you need it. But you've got to step out and trust God for finances at some point. Because he will supernaturally do what you could never do in your own strength. 
Christ's gift in your life. You want to know something interesting about Luke chapter 10? It says, eat whatever's set before you, for a workman is worthy of his hire. So imagine this. Jesus is saying, go into these places that have never heard the gospel, and I will cause people that are not Christians to feed you. You know, anywhere I've gone to preach the gospel, for some reason, in any parts of the world, in Africa, in India, whatever, I've always noticed when I've come in the name of Jesus, people have just wanted to offer me food. You know, go and, go and preach the gospel on the street. Every now and then, you get people just want to offer you money. Have you ever had that happen? Hey, Thank you for doing it. They're not even saved. They're just trying to give you money. You see, that's the favor of God on your life. When you're answering the call of God, God will cause even unbelievers to give to you to supply for that call. You have to ask yourself, are you ready to trust God? Are you ready to believe God? To be the call that God has for you to be? Or, but it's not... It's not just something, friend, that that's all going to land in your lap. The anointing will cost you something. The anointing will cost you time, maybe time away from your family, time away from your friends, time away from your job where you could be making more money, time, time away from doing this. The anointing the, in, the gift of God increasing your life is always going to cost you something. It may require you serving somebody. It may require you uh, doing more outreaches. But you have to be willing to do whatever it takes. Everybody say, whatever it takes. Why don't you say this with me? You'll never know how far you can go until you're willing to do whatever it takes. That's what preparation is about. Not saying no for an answer. Listen, I, I've been I've been traveling as a fivefold evangelist. There's no such thing as slowing down. See, being a fivefold evangelist is a full-time job. You want to know why it's a full-time job? It's because there's so many souls on the way to hell. You know, an evangelist is the most overworked person in the universe. Because his job is never finished. And if his job is finished, we all get to go to heaven. See, the work of an evangelist is work. Say it's working. <laughs> I want you to get this real quick. I'm almost done. First Samuel chapter 30, verse 24. First Samuel chapter 30, verse 24. Everybody say the anointing will always cost you something. there's a defeatist mentality out there in the body of Christ that people defeat themselves they, they think that that their little whatever isn't worth anything 
their little contribution. It must not be as much as somebody else's and, and not really all that powerful, but I think that's a lie of the devil that keeps people where they're at. Because everybody here, you have a measure of Christ's gift. We say, I have a measure of Christ's gift. Your contribution is not insignificant. We say, my contribution is not insignificant. The one who's judging is not another person. It's God. God looks at the heart. God is trying to figure out how much he can promote you. And if you look in in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 24, check this out. But David, okay, I actually want you to... Um, Verse 22, then all the wicked and worthless fellows. Ever say, then all the wicked and worthless fellows. <laughs> Look at your neighbor and say, don't be that way. Among the men who had gone with David said, because they did not go with us, we will not give them any of the spoil that we have recovered, except that each man may lead his wife and children and depart. Okay, so they're talking about after they defeated the Malachites, how they're going to divide up the spoil. And some wicked and worthless people are saying, you know what? These people that didn't go with us in the battle, that were on the home front, they don't get none. But David said, you shall not do so, my brothers. With what the Lord has given us, he has preserved us and given into our hand the band that came against us. Who would listen to you in this matter? For as his share is who goes down into the battle, so shall his share be who stays by the baggage. They shall all share alike. Some translations say home front, or those that stayed home shall receive the same share in the reward as those that went to battle. See, there's different in any time of life. There's there's always two kinds of people. There's goers and there's senders. Sometimes you're in a season where you don't have time to maybe do an outreach or to go across the world to share the gospel. But just because you can't go. The need is still there. Somebody has to go. But God always has something in your hand where if you can't go, He will give you the ability to partake in that harvest by giving you the ability to send somebody through a gift. Paul said that he desired a gift so that the so that it can be accounted to your credit. This is a part of the evangelist. I mean, I I believe in sowing into evangelists. I believe it's a form of honor. One time, I was I got to spend five days with Reinhard Bunke, and I have a huge, huge amount of respect for Reinhard Bunke. But I wanted... I just wanted to honor him, and I didn't have a lot financially at that time, 
But I wanted to receive an impartation from Reinhard Bunke. And I thought, well, and I didn't want to just give it to the ministry. I wanted to give that specifically to him. And so I figured out a way. I went and got, which were $200 cash, and put it in a plastic Starbucks uh, little container. Little, we know the, you know the, the, you can buy the plastic Starbucks cups to where you can refill them. I went and bought one of those, a nice one, and I bought one for Daniel Kalinda, and I put $200 cash in each cup and I, with a little car, and I, just, I, and I personally gave it to Reinhardt Bunke and Daniel Kalinda when I saw them. And, and this was, it was, you know, I wish I could have given them more, and that was a lot for me at that time, but I wanted to give something significant to honor that gift. See, I believe in sowing into evangelists. I've sown into Benny Hinn's ministry. I believe that there's something that triggers a grace of the evangelist in your life when you partake in more and more evangelist ministry. Not just... Um, you know, it's good to pray. We, we all say, I'll pray for that. And our prayer is like, Lord, help them. I believe it's powerful to pray. Amen. There, and there's people out there, when they say they're praying for you, man, they pray for you. They're, they're shaka da 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 shika da 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 Yeah, Lord, save them, deliver them. Help Brother Anthony not get eaten by a lion. Lord, when he goes to India, may them cobras not slither near his bed. And Lord, if one raises up his nasty head, I'll rebuke that cobra in the name of Jesus. That cobra will not sink his teeth into Anthony D's leg or rear end or nothing like that in the name of Jesus. And I bind you, devil. And there are people out there, when they say they're praying for you, it's 100% legit. They're praying like like your mama prays for you. And one of those people is like Aunt Karen. I know she's a woman that, that prays for me like crazy. You know, one time there was, a, the, the, uh, Smith Wigglesworth was talking to God. And this was in the, in the, in the, in the peak of his ministry. The mighty evangelist. And he said, God, who's the most powerful Christian in England? And he thought God was going to say Smith Wigglesworth. And God took him into a vision, into a cottage. And there's a little woman there. And, she, and he hears the woman praying this over and over again. You Smith Wigglesworth, you Smith Wigglesworth, you Smith Wigglesworth, you Smith Wigglesworth. And she's, that's all she's praying. You Smith Wigglesworth, you Smith Wigglesworth. Isn't that powerful? Well, we all know Smith Wigglesworth, but we'll never know that little lady's name that was interceding for God to use Smith Wigglesworth in the way that he did. You see, that's another way you can partake in the ministry of an evangelist. Is by sending an evangelist. 
And just because you don't feel like maybe you're the front row guy, it doesn't mean that that reward is not accredited to you on Judgment Day. And so I'm trying to give you a couple different ways to look at an evangelist. That you can operate in the Christ's gift of an evangelist by using it. You can tap into the fivefold evangelist by honoring it and send it, sending it. And as you tap into that, when you go to activate your own gifting, your own anointing, you're going to see it manifest, and you're not you're going to wonder like how how am I getting more words of knowledge now than I ever used to? How are more people getting healed? Anybody notice that you're seeing more people get healed when you pray for them? And and of those that have been going out and sharing with us. You know, I remember when we used to go out and we didn't have a lot of healings. But a lot of, but you guys, you kept coming out under the mantle that's on my life. And because of that, the gifts, the Christ's gift in my life started to activate in your life. See, I, I, I challenge you, start praying for more people and, and those that have really honored the ministry of an evangelist see miracles happening just like that because Christ's gift has been transferred to you. You don't even realize it. You, you don't, it wasn't something that you just were taught. It's something that you just caught because you were willing to receive. When Jesus ascended on high, what did he do? He led captivity captive. He gave gifts unto unto men. When you receive the gifting of an evangelist, you're receiving that gift from Christ. And it's going to become active in your life. Everybody stand to your feet. We get a little music. Just lift up your hands to heaven right now. Say, Jesus, I'm believing. For Christ's gift to be fully activated in my life.